Hey guys, this is Naeem and you've reached the Mosaic Church Podcast. So excited that you're part of our listening community and I'd love for you to be even more connected. So check out our website. There's more content there and there's more opportunities for you to get connected in our ministries and events as well. Also, love for you to share this content. If this is blessed to you, I know that God wants to use you to bless other people with it. So share this podcast, if you will. Lastly, would you consider supporting this ministry? This is made possible by other people's generosity, and I'd love for you to pay it forward. Join us to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus together. So would you consider giving to this ministry? I know that God is able to do immeasurably more through us when we come together. Thank you so much. God bless you. Enjoy. Okay, how are you guys smelling? Okay, so okay, some of you, um, uh, some of you guys are like, I literally can't remember if I put on deodorant. I, I can't. Did I do that? Did I do that? Um, well, see, here's the problem. Okay, so if you're sitting with someone who kind of smells funky, we gave you 60 seconds. You could have done so much with 60 seconds. You could have moved. You could have moved. So, so it's on you. It's on you. Um, here's, uh, here's funny is that I constantly, um, actually, I live, well, I, I, not, I don't want to say I live with stinky people. I feel like I'm always around really smelly people. I'll tell you why. It's not you guys, okay? So, so it's all good. And it's not my wife or my kids. It's not. It's actually my gym, my CrossFit crew. I, I just, I'm there uh, like um, almost every day, I feel like. And I'm just around stinky people. I get that. Okay, maybe you're, you're in a situation, you understand the stink. Okay, you get that. You get that. Now, you've been in the gym, you know. Sometimes it just smells. It smells bad. And sometimes you have the smell that burns your nostrils. Anybody? You know what I'm about? You're like, oh my gosh, it's terrible. It's just it's the worst thing. It's the worst thing. Um, the other day, I was uh, in the gym, and I was like, uh, I smelled something. It was intense. It was intense. And I was like, ah, oh, you know what? It's usually that guy. I know that guy. And I, this is that guy. It's that guy. I'm going to avoid him. I'm going to avoid him. And so I avoided him. I went, worked out somewhere else. And then I realized that it was, he, he infected everybody, apparently, because the, the smell was everywhere. Ten minutes into it, I realized it was me. Okay, it, it, was, it was me. But here's, here's the problem. Here's the problem. I was confused because they were fresh clothes. I mean, I took, I mean, they were clean. I, I, I mean, I've got stock invested in cologne, people. Okay. I, I mean, I, I care about how I smell. I'm like, there's no way it's me, but it's, it's me. I think it's me. I think it's me. And then I, I did a squat. You know what I'm saying? I did a squat. And I, and I got closer to my shorts and I realized it's my shorts. Now, here's the problem. It still was not me. So I'm like, what's going on? And then I remembered, oh, it's Harry Potter. Now, let me explain. We have a cat. Actually, no, Ashley has a cat, okay, <laughs> that lives at our house. Harry Potter, we, we call him Harry Potter. And we have a turf war going on. We, do, we just do, we just do. And I remember, I remember, like, 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 he gave me the eye once, and the problem is, he wants to go anywhere and sit anywhere and take a nap anywhere in the house. I mean, these cats have literally the whole house, but he's like, I can sit and do whatever I want to, and I'm always kicking him out. So I think what he did was, he went into my gym bag, and he was like, I'm going to mark my territory. And he did. He peed in my gym bag. I went back to the locker room, and I was like, oh my gosh, my whole bag stinks. So I went home, I was like, Ash, I gotta burn the shorts. I gotta burn the gym bag, and I think the closet's gotta go too. Like, I think, you know, because God forbid we get rid of the problem. <laughs> You're right? 
Harry Potter. Like, what, what? what's going on? So why am I talking about this? Here's why. Here's why. Because I think there's, like, it would stink like that with cats. And if you, maybe you know this and other smells too, that there's no, there's not, there's, they don't make enough Febreze in the world to get rid of stuff. Okay? Um, you just got to get rid of some stuff. And so this year, I want you to get rid of some stinky stuff, some stuff actually in your life that you can't really Febreze. You just got to get rid of, especially concerning God. So we start a series called I Quit, okay? Because in the beginning of the year, everybody wants to talk about all the things they're going to do. There are new things they're going to do, resolutions we call them, right? And then we're going to get disciplined, okay? And I thought, you know what? Let's not, I mean, that's great, but let's talk about some things that maybe if you just quit, if you just quit this one thing, these two things, you just quit a few things, maybe spiritually, maybe uh, physically, emotionally, you just quit doing them, it would make a huge difference. I remember talking to a guy, he was like, I, I, was, I was astounded because I hadn't seen him in a while, and he had lost like easily 40 pounds. And I was like, dude, what did you do? He said, I quit Coke. And I was like, cocaine? I'm like, I didn't know, like what? And he was like, no, I just stopped drinking Coca-Cola. And I was like, how much Coca-Cola did you drink? He was like, I started at breakfast. Right. He just started and keeps on doing it. He says, I just stopped that. And I was like, oh, wow. So I just wonder, what, how far would you go if you let go of some things today? Especially concerning God. So we all grew up with uh, an idea of God. And there's, there's a God that I want you to quit believing in. A version of God. I need you to quit believing in that kind of God. Now, depending on your religion uh, or your background and your upbringing, you grew up with a version of God. I grew up in Islam in the Middle East, in Kuwait. I was a Sunni Muslim for 19 years, came here, had a radical experience with Jesus, changed my life, and changed my view about God. Because the God of Islam and the father of Jesus, two separate people, at least a lot of personality differences. So I began to learn what God was. The truth, though, is, is that there are about 2.2 billion uh, people who call themselves Christians. And all of them, if you ask them, have a very different view about who God is. Everybody. And I think most of people, even different religions, and you might have grown up in a different religion, maybe not Islam, but maybe you were Buddhist, maybe you were um, yeah, Hindu, maybe you were Baptist, I don't know. I don't know. You just grew up in a, in a, in a, in a particular a denomination or a religion, and you have some ideas about who God is, but is that the God you need to quit believing in? Because some of us, some of us quit believing when we were kids. And now we're adults, and we're, we're in this, and we're like, I, I just don't believe in that, and I'm glad you quit. So I want to tell you uh, and remind you of the God that you need to desperately quit. Some people have said uh, that um, most people, when they practice religion, they practice this idea of a, a moralistic therapeutic deism, okay? Fancy words to say uh, moralistic as in the God who just cares about uh, your behavior. He just wants you to be moral. Just be better. Be better, man. Just do, don't do bad things. Don't do bad things, okay? Um, he's just concerned about your behavior. And then he's therapeutic as in uh, he wants to take care of you. He wants to provide for you. He's the God who just does that. And deism as in the idea of like this belief in a, in a, in a supernatural being. And so the thought is that there's a God out there, not really concerned. Uh, he, 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 he really just cares about my behavior. Now, that kind of thinking has crept into, big time, into Christianity and into the idea of who the gospel is, or what the gospel is. And that's why Mosaic, we want to reclaim the message 
of Jesus. Uh, and so tonight, today, tonight, today, I want to do that for some of us. Just quit believing some things about God. Like, for example, there are some things that I think most of us kind of have thought of. Okay, I've found like six or seven things that generally people believe about God. Okay, number one, this idea that uh, faith and science can't mix. As in, I can't believe in God because I believe in science. And that's not necessarily true at all. Actually, you, when you read the story of God and you read that, you realize that God actually gave us this earth to subdue, which means he gave us this earth to learn and understand how it works and then uh, and help it and transform it and rule it. So that means science is extremely important. Uh, they actually married it together. It's, 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 it's a stinky, it's not just a stinky belief. It's one of those that you've got to burn and go, that's not even true anymore. It's not true. What about this? God is a prude. You know, he's, wants to, he's a party pooper. Like, I want to party and he wants to ruin it. Which is so strange, right? The majority of people go, you know what? God is not into that. And even though, even though the first miracle of Jesus was him showing up at a party and goes, hey, I got wine. Like, what, what? what's happening? And it's just weird belief. How about this one? Uh, God must solve all my problems. You're like, uh, that's why I'm here? Is he? Is he supposed to do that? Yeah, that's why he's God. It's in the job description. Well, if it's in the job description, then God's doing a terrible job. He should be fired. You know what I'm saying? No one gets that kind of leeway. Because he's not solving all my problems. He's not. He's not doing that. So maybe, maybe I need to stop believing that, that maybe it's not his job. How about this one? God is, and this is going to be tricky for you. It's going to get serious here. God is a male. You're like, okay, we're leaving. What do you mean? I'm like, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Uh, well, in Genesis, God said he made us in his own, in his own, anybody know? Image. And then it literally says right after that, he made them male and female. Hold on, stop, stop, stop. So God is same image. What? So God is both male and female? Yes. Uh, and more. He's not, he's not confined to gender. Like, why would we do that? You're like, well, name. I mean, come on. He's God the Father. Yes, he's God the Father of all creation. Oh, well, Jesus is his son. The son of all creation. Because we haven't read the scriptures well enough to understand that. No, he's beyond that. In fact, the scriptures talk about Jesus even says, you know, one day Jesus was like looking over Jerusalem and he, he said this. He says, you know what? I just, I just feel like I just want like a hen covers her, her chicks, her kids. Uh, I just want to cover people. I'm sure the disciples are like, what? What are you saying? Isaiah the prophet goes, you know what? Uh, as, a, as, a, as a mother like, comforts her kid, so does God comfort us. Like, why, is, why, is, were they, why are they using this? The Holy Spirit, the Ruch Kudus, literally has a, a female um, 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 like, uh, gender to it. Like, not gender, gender, but it's, like, um, uh, it's a female word, this idea of spirit. And so we're like, okay, he's beyond those things. He's not this old dude in the sky. He's not. He's not. So what about another one? Oh, this is a good one. This is good. You guys ready for this one? You guys are like, I'm not actually. I'm not. I'm not ready for this. Okay. God supports my political party. Uh, that's a no-brainer. Of course he does. No. Okay. I don't want to be, I don't want to be condescending. That is really dumb. Like, that is, like, that, that's not true. It's not true. It's just not, 
It's not true. It's not true, okay, at all. Um, yeah, I'll just leave it there, okay? Um, um, I mean, really, and, and football teams, <laughs> okay? You're like, okay, it's heresy. Okay, sorry, man. All right, because if that was the case, the Panthers would do something. You know what I'm saying? The Panthers <laughs> would do something. Anyways, okay, all right, uh, last one. God can't exist because suffer- there's suffering in the world. Yeah, that's a fair question. Why do I care if God exists if God doesn't care? Why should I care? True, true. The problem is, is that you, and you want to control everything, which is the only way to get rid of suffering, is to control everybody's life, right? I'll just choose what I want and get, get rid of all suffering. Then the problem is there'll be choice. Now, if I had a choice, okay, to control Guess who would not be living in my house? <laughs> Harry Potter. Okay? Okay, son, you're out. But apparently, love is freedom and choice and all that good stuff. And so I've got to allow that to happen. Now, I know this is a, a contrite way of saying it, but um, I think it's beyond that. So, we've all got ideas. The Jewish people at the time, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus stepped in, they had this view about God, okay? And maybe you can relate to them. I think this is where we begin to relate to them, really. So the Jewish people show up, uh, Jesus shows up, and their view of God has been the Old Testament, okay? So we have the Old Testament, and we have the New Testament. So they've got this idea of who God is. The problem with the Old Testament is, is that there are a lot of stories. The, the Torah has a, has a lot of stuff about who God is. So the religious people at the time, when, in Jesus' time, they were like, we know who God is. But Jesus comes in and he goes, hey, by the way, you know all those stuff that you heard about and you read about in the Old Testament? Uh, that's not a perfect picture of who God is. Guess who is? It's me. I am. And some people were like, oh, we're going to kill you for that. Because that's heresy. No, no, no. Because the Jewish people were like, no, everything we know about God, we learned in the Old Testament. It is the perfect picture of who God is. They were convinced of that. So when Jesus shows up and he goes, no, 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 actually, you've heard it said, but I'm going to tell you. You thought God was like that, but I'm going to tell you. They were like, you're out of your mind. Now, what's funny about this is you would think, yeah, 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 but Jesus shows up. You just listen to him. But the problem is, is that now, 2,000 years or later, now, these days, we think the same thing. We think the Old Testament, and we added the New Testament, is the perfect picture of who God is. And even then, we're like, we're like, we're like, we're like why would those guys believe this? But we do this. So we took the Old Testament and the New Testament, and we put them together, and they're like, how many books for extra credit? How many, how many books? 66 books. It's a library of books. And so what we've said is the library of books is a perfect picture of who God is. What? No, it's not. Even Jesus was like, hey, 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 hey. I'm the word of God. Uh, I'm the word of God. No, 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 I'm the word of God. I'm the perfect picture of who God is. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's like, he didn't say, if you've seen the Old Testament, New Testament. He said, basically, he was trying to tell people, hey, the Old Testament, because that was the, that was the conversation in their context. They didn't have the New Testament. The Old Testament, he's like, it is a perfect picture of people learning about God. Perfect. And now we have the Old Testament and New Testament. It's a perfect picture of people learning about who God is. But the perfect picture of who God is, is Jesus. 
And so when you and I need to quit some believing things about God, some of those things you're like, no, no, I believe in them because they're in the Bible. No, the Bible is a story of people wrestling about what they used to believe because in the Old Testament, guess what was allowed? Genocide. Let's put that down. That was where, that was like, go for it. Guess what was also allowed? Yahweh, in the Torah, Yahweh is okay with blood sacrifices. And then all of a sudden you keep on going, they go, oh, he's not good with it. Did God change? Or did people just like, oh, that's probably a bad idea. Maybe he didn't mean that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because in the beginning, they believed that God was just like any and every other God. And other gods required blood sacrifices. That's why. You remember the story? Right? Right? Okay. He's going up and he's going to sacrifice his son, right? Remember that story of sacrificing the son? No one was shocked by it. Because all the other gods required it. Why wouldn't this God? So what we've got to do is figure out, okay, okay hold on. If, if Jesus is the right picture, then we have to literally hear from him who the Father is, who God is, and quit believing the God of the people who are trying to learn about him throughout the scriptures. We got to learn from him. In fact, uh, Paul, Paul the Apostle, uh, now he wasn't an OG apostle, okay? He was actually a guy who was a religious teacher, and then he became a follower of Jesus. He writes this in one of the letters, and he says this, okay? This is very clearly he writes this because he, uh, he understands this. He says in First Colossians 1, he says, for, for God in all his fullness was pleased to, what's that word? Pleased to what? To what? Live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. If you read that chapter, it goes in detail like Christ is the the icon. He is the person. He is again and again and again and again. So why am I making a big deal about this? I think I'm making a big deal about this is because some of us have taken the story of God people learning about God and gotten our views about who God is. Just like the people that when Jesus showed up had a view of the Old Testament God. So Jesus shows up and I'm going to take you there. In verse in Luke chapter 15, he starts off and he, he says, let me just tell you who God is. And he starts off saying, telling three stories. Now these are very unique. I want you to know the context of him. He's not talking to a group like you guys. He's talking to Jewish people. Some of them are religious. Some of them are like trying to figure things out. Some of them, like all kinds of professions. It's, it's a crowd of people and he's talking to them. And he says, let me tell you who God really is. Okay. Which was the biggest stink. Like it was the biggest problem they had with Jesus. Jesus was a nice guy. He did all kinds of miracles, feeding people. I mean, come on. He would do all these things, Right. But he had a, they had a problem with him because this guy continued to uh, say that he was God. He was God. And so, and he knew exactly who God was. So then he launches in to a three-story thing to talk about who God is. He starts off and he goes, hey, God is like a shepherd. Now to all the shepherds over there, they're like, okay, okay, we're in this. We get some credit. Okay. But the other people are like, what do you mean God's a shepherd? He goes, God's a shepherd who had a uh, hundred sheep. And they're like, oh, okay, okay. Some people understand. God has a lot of people. God is big. He has a lot of responsibility. And he has a role to play. He's a shepherd. He's a role to play. Like for some of us, we think just God is so big, he has no time for me. He's got so many people. 
But then when Jesus said he's a shepherd, shepherds were unique because shepherds, unlike carpenters and other people, shepherds had a relationship with their sheep. Like they knew them in a, in a strange way. They, 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 they cared about it. But there are some shepherds who are like, okay, I got too many, I don't, I don't care. But then Jesus says, hey, God's like a shepherd who has so many sheep, so many sheep, you can't count them. Okay, I mean, it's like so many sheep, you can't remember. I mean, they all look alike, come on. Right? But he notices that one's missing and he goes after that one. Like, why would you care? No, but he does. This is a God who cares. There are seven, the latest uh, numbers are, there's 7.888 billion people in this world. God's a shepherd. He has so many people. But God cares and notices every one of them. And he's a shepherd who uh, goes after looking for that one. Some of us know the story. So let's just read what happens. He says in, in Luke chapter 15, it says, and when he has found it, he says, he will, rejo- he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he will call together. Now, this is, this is the interesting part. He will call together his, his what? His what? His friends and what? Neighbors. Neighbors. I mean, do you really care? Like, no, no. But what? what? Okay. okay. Saying, what's that word? Rejoice with me. Now, that modern translation of the word rejoice is party. Okay? Party. Party with me because I have found my what? Lost sheep. And then Jesus says, in the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner. Remember that word, sinner, who repents. Remember that word. And returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. So it's blowing their minds because he starts off and says, God is like a shepherd who has so many people and so many sheep, but he cares about the one. And then when he finds them, it's not like just, hey, don't leave again. What's, what were you doing? No, throws a party. He's a God who pursues. And then right after he pursues and finds, he does what? He parties. Okay, say it with me. Come on. I know. He what? Party. He parties. He pursues. He parties. And then Jesus goes, oh, also, also. Also, to blow your mind here, God is also like a woman. And I'm saying to some of the religious people, they're like, you know, we, we out. We out. We're done. It's like, it's like it's basically, because, because to, them, to them, it was like, um, it's like a, it's your mom. It's, your, it's like your mom. You see, in, in, in that culture, uh, uh, he, he starts, Jesus, when he starts talking, he's like, there's a, there's a, there's a woman, and loses, loses, uh, Loses one coin, okay? He loses one coin and um, starts freaking out and starts looking for it. Now, again, Jewish context, right? Maybe even Middle Eastern context, context because I told you I'm, I grew up, I'm Pakistani. I grew up in the Middle East. My mom, uh, even to this day, wears a dupatta. You guys want to say that? It's fun to say. You guys ready for it? It's Urdu, people. It's Pakistani language. Okay, ready? Dupatta. Dupatta. She wears the dupatta. Okay? Do you see my mom next time? You go, that's a very beautiful dupatta. Okay? She will probably ignore you. But anyways, okay. <laughs> Growing up, the dupatta is like this, this the really thin shawl thing that uh, if you Google Pakistani women, you'll see it. But uh, moms, at least my mom, a lot of moms, uh, back in the day, would tie literally coins. You're like, you're making this up. Oh, no. I've gotten hit with those things before, okay? Coins, okay, to just bribe kids to do stuff, okay? Just coins right here, okay? 
I know that maybe in, maybe in, the, in the Western world, it's more like you put the stuff here. No, they, they put it over here. They put it over here. And so when he says, oh, there's a, God's like a, like a, uh, like a person, like a, like a woman who lost her coin, they know exactly what he's talking about. And then he goes, and she loses one. And some of them, they're like, I don't have even an idea how to register the fact that God's like woman, but I totally get that is so my mom. She'd freak out. And then he says this, he says this, he says, read it, Luke 15, 9, he says, and when she finds it, she will call her, again, she's called her friends and neighbors and say what? Which is the word for what? Party with me because I have lost, I have found my lost coin. And then he says, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels. Like angels are throwing a party when even one sinner repents. Remember that word, repents. And so he breaks this idea. He says, quit believing that God is like this old man up there. No, he's like a woman freaking out to lose one coin. You are that one coin. And they're, they're like, I can't even understand this. And then he goes, oh, by the way, I got another story. And this will blow your mind. And they're ready for this. They're like ready for this. The people who are like, okay, you know, we were out of this, they left. But the other people who stayed, they're like, okay, what are you going to say now? And then he says, okay, let me tell you another story. And here's where we read it. He says this. He said this. He says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them a story. He says, a man had two sons. How many sons? The younger son told his father, I want my share of the estate now before you die. So the father agreed to divide his wealth between the sons. Okay, stop right there. In the Middle Eastern culture, that don't happen. That doesn't happen. The reason is, is because... Because our, our khandan, our, 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 um, our, our, our legacy, our, like our family name, it's, 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 it's such a corporate culture. It's like this idea of like, um, you have to stay with the family. And, and when you say you want to leave and you say you want my inheritance, that means that I, I'm dead. Like I'm not like, don't just give me my college fund that you've been saving. No, that's not what he's saying. He's like, not like, I want to take the money from college. I'm not going to go to college and get an apartment, you know, next door or whatever, somewhere else. No, he's not saying that. He's like, I want to leave you. I want to leave the family. Uh, so just, I'm done. I'm done. And people are like, okay, that, the, first of all, the father would never give him that. And so then he goes, this is God who will give and let you do what you want to do, which is mind-boggling. And then he says this. He says, uh, a few days later, uh, his younger son packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in what? Wild living. Before the time has, uh, the, before the time, uh, before the time, his money ran out, his, his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He pursued a local, uh, persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods that were the, uh, the, the feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Now, you've probably heard the story. Now, what you might have not heard is, is this, is that he went and worked for a pig farmer. 
by the way, Jewish people, Jewish people do not raise pigs. In the Old Testament, all throughout, they were forbidden. They're the one unclean animal. You cannot do that. In fact, when Jesus was preaching to this crowd, he was talking to a Jewish congregation. The Gentiles lived in a distant land. In the distant land where the Gentiles lived, that's where they raised pigs, not Jewish communities at all. So when the guy left, he didn't leave, like I said, he didn't go to uptown. No, no, he took off. He took off and he basically is like, I'm not saying no to you, dad. I'm saying no to Jewish life as I know it. I'm going to go to Gentile world. I'm going to be one of them. He was changing his religion. He was changing everything. And so he gets into a bind because now he is starving and he's going, what am I going to do? And it reads right here. What happens is, it says here in Luke 15, 11, it says, when he finally came to his, what? Senses. He finally came to his senses. He said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go back. I will go back. I'll go home to my father and say this. Father, I have what? Sinned against both what? Heaven and you and I am what? No longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Okay, so he's thinking. This is the thought that he's thinking. So Luke wrote it down. Let me just tell you what's happening right here. He is not repenting. He is not thinking, I'm going to, he, he just came to his senses. He also knows that no one back home is ever going to hire him. Why? Because he spent his time in Gentile world. He is unclean. No one's going to hire him. And then when he comes back to his dad, the first thing he's thinking of is I got to pay dad back for all the money that he gave me. His thought is, I'm going to tell him I've sinned, and then I'm going to pay you back, just hire me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not your son anymore. I get that. I'm not, because, I mean, I, I get that. But just, I'll pay you back. To which the crowd was like, oh, that's exactly what I think. That's what, exactly what I think. There's a, there's a guy in there going, oh my gosh. That's exactly what I think. That's exactly what the we think. Like the, the, when we want to like come back to God in a sense or come back to church or come back to whatever and you're watching, you're like, I come back. The first thing we do is I got to pay God back. I got to get my stuff together. I owe him so much. I've got to make good on some things. And Jesus is like, that's the first thought he had. He had that thought and everybody's like, and we all have that thought. We got to pay God back. And so he goes, I'm going to do this. So he heads back. He heads back, right? So it says here, verse 20, it says, So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with, filled with, what's those two words? Filled with what? Of and compassion. He ran to his son. Like filled with love and compassion. Not like, uh, okay, it's about time. I told you. Don't want to say that, but hey, how was it? Was it good? You stink, by the way. <laughs> nothing. He was filled with love and compassion, not like nothing else but love and compassion. And he comes, runs over, he embraces him and kisses him. Friends, let me just tell you a couple of things here. Number one, okay, like, uh, I mean, uh, gr- growing up in the Middle East, like the, the, the stuff that they wear, it's very hard to run in. 
The only way to run in is you gotta, it's like a long dress. You have to literally pick it up and run. That's the only way, or you're gonna fall. So he has to literally pick up his, his dress, in a sense, and start running towards the guy. He's running and he embraces him. Again, he's been in Gentile world. He is what? Unclean. You cannot do that. And then he kisses him. Oh my gosh. Where's that mouth been? Like, what? What? The people are like, that is not going to happen. This guy does not exist. <laughs> this guy does not exist. And Jesus is like, I know what you thought you knew about God. This is that God who pursues, who pursues, who pursues, who pursues. He saw him in distance, comes running towards him. He's like, this is not happening. People are like, ah, what are you saying? Jesus continues the story. Continues the story. So what happens? The son, he knew, you know, you remember, right? We knew what he was going to say. So he starts off. He goes, he goes, his son said to him, father, I have sinned against both what? Heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And he was supposed to say the next thing, which is just hire me, right? And I'll just work. And what happens? His dad interrupts him. Have you ever been interrupted by people? It's a little annoying. Okay, I get it. I interrupt people all the time. All right, I'm so excited. I'm like, ah, I don't care what you're saying. I don't care what you're saying. Listen to this. Oh, what about this? What about this? I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I don't care. I, care. I mean, I'm, I, I value you as a person. Your opinion matters. But listen to me. Like, like what? Like, this, this, I'm so excited. So excited. So he cuts off his, his son and, and, and says, quick, quick, quick. He's not even talking to his son now. He's talking to other people. He's like, quick, quick, quick. Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. To which the servants or people helping him out would be like, uh, he smells bad. Like, a, I, think a pee, uh, I think a cat peed on him. Like, what? Like, like what, what? And then he says, get a, get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And you know that, you know that the calf? Kill the what? Kill the calf. We've been fattening. For this son of mine who was dead is now returned to life. He was lost, but now what? He's found. And he says, and then what it says? So they started to rejoice. So the party began. Every time, three stories, God says, this is what God is like. You go away, you do your thing, da 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 you're lost. He's so, he's just, he knows you've been gone. He notices you've been gone. He notices when you started doubting early on when you were in high school. And he knows, I mean, he just knows your journey. And he's been waiting, waiting, waiting. And as soon as you turn, as soon as he finds you, he pursues you and then he parties with you. Like he, he pursues you and then he wants to party with other people. He wants to pursue and party with humanity. I mean, like people are like, what, we're going to kill you for this, Jesus. Because you've taken that whole idea of who God is and you've turned it around. And he's like, let me... I am the fullness. I'm telling you, this is who God is. This is the God. He, you, to, you and I, like, we have to quit believing in the God, which basically the story he was telling them, Jesus was telling them, he's telling us now, you got to quit believing in the God who you think always wants to shame you. Like he wants to shame you, he wants to judge you, and he wants to punish you. That is the religion you grew up with, and maybe even the version of Christianity a God of Christianity that you believe, like you were like, no, no, no. <clears throat> he wants to, he wants to, uh, he wants to, no, no, he's, he's angry with me. He's angry with me. He, 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 he wants to shame me because he disapproves of me. He disapproves of me. He knows there's something wrong with me. 
And let me just tell you, friends, let me just tell you, here's what happened, okay? Uh, in Genesis 3, a big thing happened. A big thing happened that Adam and Eve sinned. You guys know that story? Anybody remember that story? Genesis 3, that's what happened, okay? What happened is uh, they sinned, and sin entered into the world, and then it just infected everybody, okay? We know that, right? Okay? So then we, we've heard that story, right? We've heard that story, and the story is, is that we, we are living in sin. We were bad. We're bad. We're bad. And so all religion, and even Christianity, starts with this idea that you are bad, you have original sin. You are bad. That is the beginning of the story. You are bad, and we got to fix it. And I'll tell you what, who can fix it? Jesus can fix it. Repent of your sins, and you're not going to go to hell. But I respect the passion of that, but can we just start in the beginning of the story? Because that's Genesis 3. Genesis 1 is when the story began of humanity. And Genesis 1, in the beginning of the story, is that God all made all creation, and he stopped, and when he made us, he went, oh, this is good. Oh, this is very good. So you have intrinsic value right from the beginning. Like, what would you live, how would you live your life that you said, in the beginning, I was good? I was good, and then crap happened. Versus so many of us, I am crap, and I got to be good. That's what religion is. I am crap. You are the problem, and you got to be, get better. And God's like, oh, no, 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 you were actually good. You see, you, you were good. He made you good. He made you beautiful. He made you all these things, and then crap happened. And Jesus steps in, and he goes, let me just tell you, that's why I'm here to tell you that there is a way back. There's a way to stop believing those things. This is not the God. The God doesn't want to do that. God, in fact, I'll tell you what, he does the opposite. He accepts you. He accepts. He understands. That's why Jesus decided to not change humanity and make it better, clean up the room, and then he walks in. No, he grew up in the filth. He was born and raised and then killed by his own creation. Why? Because to say, hey, 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 I just want you to know I accept your brokenness. It, right, apart from the being, I accept it. And then I, I forgive you. Like I accept you. I forgive you. I don't, even, I don't even need you in the prodigal son story. I don't even need you, need you to acknowledge anything. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt your repentance and just say, quick, 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 quick someone bring him a robe. I'm going to stop it. I just need you to turn. And as soon as you turn, I will start running towards you. Like, what kind of God does that who runs? So he's, he's, he's a God who, who accepts, who forgives, and then a God who trusts. He's like, put a ring on the guy. Put it. He's my son again. Can we, well, we can't restore him. You know what he did last time. I don't care. Put it on him. He's my son. So when you come back to God, there's this idea that God says, hey, 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 I know your past. I know your past, and I know the possibility of you, you returning to your bad habits, but I still trust you. Now, let me ask you, what kind of life, what kind of life would you live? What kind of spirituality? See, I think you need to quit believing in the God who wants to shame you, disgrace you, who's just waiting for you to get better. Could you imagine living a life, friends, not, not, worried, not worried about shame all the time, not, 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 not fearing punishment all the time, not feeling like you're always not enough and you feel guilty. 
See, today you want to quit believing that. So and that's my prayer. And for some of us, it's, it's us coming to him. We have to come to him in faith. And some of us, that means is you just turn. You're like, I don't even know what to do. What that means is the word repent, which Jesus used intentionally, is literally the word to you, that is, the word means to turn around. It doesn't even mean to ask for forgiveness. So Jesus is like, if you just turn around, I'll come running. If you just turn around, because I'm already looking. I'm already looking. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not that big that I don't know you. I'm still looking for you. So let's do this. Let's respond to that kind of God. Can we do that? Let's stand together and let's pray. Let's pray together. <clears throat> God, we thank you so much. We thank you for uh, the fact that, you, God, you are more than the God that we grew up with. And for some of us today, we need to quit believing in that kind of a God. A God who's just waiting, who's always, who's always disappointed in us. We need to quit believing in that kind of God. God, I know that um, for so many of us, the idea of you is overwhelming. But God, today we can, we can do this. We can, we can just let go of some thoughts that we had of you and choose to believe that you're a God who, who accepts me, forgives me, trust me and our part is to repent our part in this is just simply to repent to just turn turn in the direction of you and for some of us we need to do that mentally some of us with our hearts we need to just say Jesus I'm turning towards you I want to come back home I know I can never repay you I know. I just want to come back home. So God, I pray that some of us would just pray that prayer. Jesus, I give you my life. I'm, I'm, I'm turning towards you. And then God, you, by the power of your presence, would meet them, run after them right now in this room or people watching or listening. Right now, encounter them. How you encountered me, you took me into a a person who grew up in a very different faith and then allowed me to experience you, Jesus. The fullness of God. So God, I pray that we would all turn towards the fullness of God, which is you, Jesus. And you would shape our minds and our hearts and our souls. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Mosaic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more audio and video content, visit us at mosaicchurch.tv.